Hey, bro. Hello. Are you, Hello, are you checking? Good? You on? Oh, we're good. good. Oh, good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Cool. What's up? Hey there, guys. Hi. What's up? Hi. Hi. Great, great Hello. jumper. Hello. It is. It is not bad. It's okay. It's yeah, it's good. okay. You're, so, you're pretty, look pretty good as well. So apparently, I'm real easy to see. Is that what what Beth said? Easy to spot. It might be the shirt. I'm not sure. Um. Hey, Ray. Quick couple of questions to get yeah. to know you. This is yeah. the bit where we get to know the speaker. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Um. I'm looking at my notes. Make sure I don't go off. Okay. Popo. Correct. Your name? Correct. Is that really your name? Negative. Uh, okay. My real name is not Popo, uh, but I think it's a pretty cool name. My real name is Andrew Lowe, but no one calls me that. Uh, so, so yeah, what's the deal? What's the deal yeah. with Popo? So I don't quite remember why I got the name. It was in primary school a long time ago. I can tell you, though, in high school, uh, I told my Indonesian teacher in year seven, because she was like, does anyone have a nickname? And I was like, oh. This is my chance to be cool. My name is Popo, and she was like, sorry, poo-poo. <laughs> and then it spread like wildfire throughout my grade, and everyone knew me as Popo. And to the point where in year 12, I had graduation, and they said, Andrew Lowe, and I walked out, and my entire grade was like, yeah. what? Po- yeah. A- Andrew? And the officer talked to me, who are you? I thought we were... F- I thought we were friends, Popo. And, and it was a really funny moment, I thought, as well. And now everyone is calling me Popo, so that's I totally get now. that, because when I emailed you to come here, I was like, dear Popo. And then you emailed back and like, Andrew, I'm like, who's this guy? Yeah. Has he got a PA already? I wasn't too sure. Dang, so, dude. That uh, have a real work with <laughs> So, bro, you've moved from a particular place a bit further north. Where's yeah. that? Uh, I'm from Sydney. Came down to the best city in the world a few months ago. Yeah, What's up? Yeah, there you go. Cool. So, why are you here? Uh, well, obviously, there's better coffee down here. So yes, I mean, yep. <laughs> well, I, I work with the rice movement, as you guys saw. We've done rice for the last 15 years, uh, and some of the guys down here in Melbourne were really keen to have it down in Melbourne, so we're like, sure, why not? Uh, and eventually, part of the reason of, of me coming down is because they needed a leader, someone who knew rice. It's really hard to do an event when you have no clue what it looks like. <laughs> so it's really helpful to have someone on the ground who can connect people as well, who knows people, and that's why I moved down. Uh, so I gave up my job, quit a few things, and I was like, yeah, okay. Hopefully, uh, this rally goes well. And about two weeks ago, we had about uh, Clayton Church of Christ, about 500 people pack out the building. Heaps of kids come to know Jesus, and it was just absolutely the best. Not quite as big as that, because that was like Sydney, but it was amazing, and I was, I'm so keen for what we'll do in Melbourne in the future as well. So for those of us who don't know, so you've got an Asian gentleman standing in front of us telling about rice. Mm. What is rice? Oh, so right. rice is, if you look at it closely, there's white grains you eat. Uh, yeah, okay. so, so rice is, a, is an acronym. Is that what it is? An acronym. Yeah. Uh, it's Renewal and Interchurch Evangelism. So we're all about mainly evangelistic rallies to high schoolers, typically to ABC backgrounds. Uh, Australian we do it, Chinese. Correct. Those. And all of you guys are ABC, of course, as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and we do it in an interchurch environment where we get ch- churches together to actually come and do it together. Hey, let's all do it together and let's just pull together. Yeah. And see people come to know Jesus. That's what we're on about. Um, I'm going to pray for you in a little bit. Just to give a bit of an idea about your journey from Sydney here, um, you shared a little bit in the car about your family, um, mm. Mm. and we were talking about the cost and things like that. So just to give you a brief, tell a little bit about your story so we know a bit of background. Mm, including my wet high cushion as well, a little bit of that? Yeah, briefly, yeah, sure. So I'm going, to, I'm going to speed through this in one minute, like smash that through, because we already had a great testimony. Can you give a round of applause for that? Yeah. I was like, oh, that was, that's pretty good, that's pretty good, right? I'm going to speed through it one minute right now and go. Yeah. All right, cool. I was brought up in a non-Christian family, mostly nominal Buddhist. My testimony is all about love. I started looking for love in my parents first. But I'm an Asian, and my Asian parents, the way you receive love is by you do stuff. Popo, get good grades, get good marks, do well on piano, and you're loved by us. And I tried really hard and couldn't quite get there. 
felt that my love, my parents, didn't quite work out. I felt very needy of that, really longed that. And so I started looking away from my parents to my friends. I was like, oh, if I become funny and interesting and be crazy, people will love me and care for me and give me what I desire very deeply. But my parents were very strict. I couldn't go out. I couldn't hang out too much as well. I was never allowed to go out. Uh, so it became, over time, very tense between my, my parents, where I wanted love, my friends gave me love, but my parents stopped me with my friends. So I felt that my parents were the blockades towards love. Eventually, it became so tense that when I was, in year, when I was 16, I was kicked out of my home. Uh, not, I'm going to talk about that right now. I'm going to skip over that part because that's not a story. I'm going to move on. <laughs> me, essentially, me, parents, tense situation, love, question mark, problems. In that time at high school, I went to a, a quite a good school, like I think the Melbourne High is the equivalent down here. Quite a good school in Sydney. So I told my principal, and he's like, I was kicked out of my home. What do I do now? And he was like, what? Our school barely deals drugs. Because our school is a pretty good school. And that's how you, I learned how good a school is, right? By how little people are dealing drugs, you know? <laughs> so I was a pretty good school. And he was like, what is happening? What do I do? And essentially in this time, I moved out, couched off for about six weeks. Long story short, found a place uh, and began to question very heavily my friends, because in this time, my friends all heard about it in a good school, and some of them treated me very differently. The ones who I wanted love from now didn't quite give me the love that I wanted, and it was really hard for me. My parents started failing me, my friends started failing me, and then I was like, what now? A bunch of my friends invited me to church and youth group and Christian group and stuff, and I went, so I was like, oh, I'm a Christian, sure, I went there. I actually went there because I thought it was just a place where you play games, and there were girls there. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, uh, so okay. I went there, that's why I stayed could, there, right? Yeah, stayed there, right? I'm <laughs> a little bit insecure, so okay. Anyway, moved on. Uh, I saw that all three of those groups, the Christian group, the church, and the school, all of them loved me in the same way, which is unbeknownst to me that I had never seen in my life. They loved me in an unconditional way, in a way that wasn't relying upon me, in a way that didn't care about where I was from, but loved me because of the God that they had. Eventually, over time, I questioned God, and I was like, okay, God seems loving and he's cool, but surely if God is loving and sovereign, why is Popo out of his home? Isn't the most loving thing for any 16-year-old boy to be in a home that loves him and cares for him and treats him well? And then I realized over time that my greatest need was not a place to stay or a family that loved and cared for me, but I actually needed to know the living God who gives real love. At the very core of me, I actually needed love that couldn't be filled from anywhere else, not from parents, not from friends, but only found in Jesus. Mm. And the only way I'd ever come to know him was actually being kicked out of my home. So it became from a point where God had made a mistake to actually God had used me getting kicked out of home to bring me to himself. Mm. So speed forward a few years until last year, my parents are not Christian. They re- I mean, it, me and them are sort of okay now, question mark, it's hard. But they really dislike me doing ministry. They think I'm brainwashed, they think I'm a, a crazy guy, they think I'm capable of so much more. So for me, moving down to Melbourne was actually very hard, because uh, at first, when I talk, told them about it, my mom said these words, uh, Andrew, which is my real name, as you guys know now, Andrew, the more you get closer to was doing full-time ministry, I think the harder relating to you will be and actually being in relationship with you. My dad said something harsher than that. He said, Andrew, look, you and me have never seen things the same way. You're stubborn. I'm stubborn. I don't want to change. You don't want to change. I think if you are going down this path, I think there is no value in being in a relationship with you. Sounds hard to hear, obviously, for me. It's, I, suspect, I suspected that for quite a long time, but it was quite here to hear. It's always hard to hear it actually in words. I heard it 
But I knew still that I needed to treat God as my master. It wasn't the first time I tried to love my parents throughout it as well. It was an ongoing process. Uh, so part of my cost of coming to Melbourne mm-hmm. was in some sense to do with my family. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still okay-ish with them as well, but I do know that as I go towards ministry more and more, it will be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that God is worth it, and I know that God cares for my parents more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many more things I could say there, but I'm not going to do it because I said I'll do it fast. So, <laughs> well, it's going into your preaching time. So, uh, no, I'm joking. Absolutely. I'm just running out of time. <sighs> it's okay. Bro, um, the reason why yeah. I wanted you to share that is um, following Jesus does cost. Um, yeah. But Popo's sharing uh, openly and honestly why uh, mm. his hope is in Christ. Um, so, I want to pray for him uh, and also to share a little bit of our story about who we have here tonight uh, as he speaks on this topic. Can I pray for you? Absolutely. Father, I want to thank you for this dear brother in Christ. I thank you for his witness in the gospel, mm. his passion uh, for you, and particularly now as he chooses to serve you and serve us tonight. Uh, Spirit of God, I pray that you would fill him, empower him to preach to us. Um, silence our hearts and minds to hear what you're saying to us individually, but also corporately for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to set my camera up because I want to record myself. Because I'm a little bit egotistic. No, I'm just joking. It's okay. Hectic. Cool. I need to time myself so I don't waste too much more of your time. Record. Excellent. It works. Nice to meet you guys. It is a great privilege to preach to you guys today. If you guys don't know already, my name is Popo or Andrew. Please don't call me Andrew. I don't feel like it fits me very well. I'm going to start with this. Please imagine sleep. Mm. Don't sleep now, but imagine it. Mm, don't sleep. Hey, stay awake. Please, if you guys are falling asleep, just stand up, do some star jobs. It's okay. I won't be offended. I'll only be a little bit insecure. So remember, when you were younger, maybe to get to sleep, your parents sung you a lullaby. Oh. The whole place is a little more calmer now, but soothe, that's okay. Uh, maybe uh, your parents uh, had a music box for you, which played you Twinkle Twinkle, Little Star. Mm. Or maybe you had one of those mobiles over your cot and it lulled you to sleep. Uh, but nowadays, when we sleep, uh, we actually are probably on the side, like over here, doing this. Scrolling through our Facebooks, looking at Snapchat, looking at Instagram, all the social media question mark things, right? We look through that, and we're looking at our friends, and we see their posts, and we look at it, and we're like, ah. Oh, Look at my friends eating delicious food again (laughs) without me. (gasps) Look at my friends traveling again without me. Look at my friends being with other friends again. (laughs) Look at my friends dating again. And obviously, we're not without me here. <laughs> we, we worked that out. Come, we, 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 moving on. Uh, seeing today, see today, guys, I get the great privilege uh, and a great honor, because I don't know any of you guys, to actually preach and share about the concept and idea of singleness. Everyone, please say to me, singleness. Oh, it could be a choir. Excellent. Uh, and if you're anything like me, you've seen other people who are dating, and you might feel a bit discontent. You might see other people dating, and you might feel like you're missing out. You might see other people dating, and you just wish that it was you. Now, I'm saying it's not all of you guys, but I do know that as you talk about these sort of things, all of us come with our own bunch of insecurities and baggage. That's the part of life. That's what people are like. Maybe it's FOMO or escapism, discontentedness, a feeling that you deserve a relationship. It could be a whole bunch of things 
But thankfully, today I'll be looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians 7, and the Corinthians are just like us. They're actually broken people, relationally, sexually, spiritually. I think it's a great place to look at where we get to tackle our baggage together as we think about singleness. And if you're to memorize any verse from today, if you're to memorize anything, it's this verse from 1 Corinthians 7.35 about singleness. I am saying this, which is singleness, for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. In undivided devotion to the Lord. Just as Kylie was saying before, ain't no man gonna stop it from loving Jesus, and he better dang love Jesus first. Same thing. Independent woman, she knows what's up. <laughs> See, but know that as I am preaching, I am preaching as much to myself as to all of you. I struggle with it. I'm still single. Just letting you guys know. No, I'm kidding. I'm not looking around. It's all good. Uh, moving on. I get it. It's hard. And for those here who actually are in a relationship, some of you guys might be married or dating right now, I still listen, there's value in actually being able to understand and know our brothers and sisters who are struggling with singleness, because it happens throughout all the church. And for those who are totally fine being single, that's great, I'm glad for you, that's, that's dope. Uh, let's be reminded of what the point of singleness is. So, uh, I'm a simple man with a simple brain, as you can tell. I can only do one thing at a time because, well, I'm a, I'm a guy. So, this talk has three points, three things that Paul is saying about singleness. So, and three is the best number because I can't quite, can't quite count past that yet. Still working that out. The three things that Paul is pointing out here from 1 Corinthians 7 is this. Singleness is a good thing. Singleness is, well, it's not a bad thing at least. Uh, singleness is for the best thing. Good thing, not a bad thing, for the best thing. So I wanna, I really wanna dive into 1 Corinthians 7, so flip it open if you have that. But first, I'm gonna pray. Uh, dear gracious God, uh, thanks Father that you are not a God who is distant, uh, but you are a God who speaks through your word, Father. Uh, thanks, God, that you listen to us and you care for us, Father. Uh, and so, God, we do pray that as we read your word, uh, you would minister to us as we read it. Help us to understand it, God, and would you be speaking tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Singleness. The first thing that Paul is trying to say is singleness is a good thing. In verse 7, he says this, I wish that all men were as, I'm, were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One is this gift, and another is that. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. See, Paul here is saying that singleness is a good thing, because actually singleness is a gift from God. Now, to illustrate this, imagine you're walking to church one day, you're going to Canterbury Gardens, uh, and you're looking at people around you, and you're like, ah, Stanley, what a greatly gifted musician, wow, Jennifer, Mmm, what a great teacher. Wow. Or, ah, Popo. What a greatly, insanely gifted single person. Wow. That's what Paul is saying here. It's actually a gift. It's actually something that is good. It's actually a gift. It's good, beneficial, not bad, quite like it. Thumbs up, confirmed, actually the best, pretty good thing, gift. <laughs> Got it there. The reason why is because singleness is a gift because it enables us to be undistracted to our devotion to God, as the verse earlier said. Now, let me keep going. 
Paul keeps going, and he talks to the people who are married. Hey there, guys, don't divorce. That's pretty bad. Don't do that. Hey there, you guys, children. Yep, cool. If you guys are dating an unbeliever, do this, do that. Cool. Blah, 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 blah. Keeps going, and then he says this really strange thing coming out a few verses later, almost this tangential part in verse 17 and 24 about slaves and about circumcision. And it's like really random. And I think here, Paul is trying to help us to fight against the desire that I think a lot of us have. And that desire is to get out, to escape. Just like in escape rooms where you're trying to get out, you're like, I'm claustrophobic, I need to get out of here. I think Paul is trying to fight against our desire to escape. So uh, he says here, he talks about two of the greatest social dividers of that time. One, circumcision and slavery. Circumcision being a religious and a racial sort of divider, and slavery uh, being a social status divider. He's trying to fight against these two things. Okay? And the big point of his tangent about circumcision and slavery in the context of singleness being a gift is this, in verse 17. Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him, which God has called him. Each one should retain the place in life that the Lord has assigned to him. And see what that looks like in terms of circumcision. He talks about it in verse 18 and 19. Uh, was a man already circumcised when he was called? Um, that is when he came to know Jesus. Um, he should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called, which is when he came to know Jesus, he should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing as well. Keeping God's commands is what counts. If you're circumcised, great. Uh, don't become uncircumcised because in that day and age, some people were trying to remove the physical signs of their circumcision. They were trying to hide that because it looked weak. Um, Paul is saying about circumcision, the great old theological view of millennials, meh. That's what Paul is saying here. If you're circumcised, eh, don't be uncircumcised. If you're uncircumcised, eh, don't become circumcised. That's what he's saying here. Uh, and then he says something and repeats the same sort of idea in verse 20. Each one should remain in the situation which he was when God called them. And then talks about slavery in verse 21, 22, about the same sort of idea of eh. Where you were slave when you were called, don't let it trouble you. Eh. <laughs> Although if you can gain, gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a freedman when he was called is Christ's slave. It's saying the same thing here. Paul is saying meh. If you're a slave, eh, don't let it trouble you. But if you can be free, it as well. It's pretty good. God calls you his freedman anyway, so it doesn't really matter what your social status is. The point of this is this. God turns religious, racial, and social statuses upside down. He redefines them. He draws them in, changes it around, and says the same thing, same, same thing again at verse 24. Brothers, as each man responsible to God should remain in the situation God has called him to. I hope you guys have seen that. He said it three times now. It's important to remain in your situation. Circumcised, uncircumcised, eh, just keep his commands. Circumcision isn't that important. If you're a slave or become free, eh, you're his freedman. Freedom or not freedom is not the important thing. If you're single or not single or married, eh, the important things aren't our statuses, but the way that we can follow and love Jesus undividedly. God has a different view, a different point of view than our societal, our racial, our religious statuses, and our status of singleness. He changes that and turns it upside down. Singleness is a good gift. He commends it. And so he says to this, remain in that situation because God has given that to you. He's actually said it's called you to that. So if you're single, then your status is singleness. Just focus on him.
So that's a whole bunch of theory about that, but what does that mean for us practically? What does that actually look like for us? Well, to begin working through that, we actually need to take a step back, take a breather, and diagnose our own hearts. One of the reasons I know for myself why we don't want to remain in singleness is because we feel like we're missing out. It's the feeling of FOMO, the fear of missing out. It's the desire to escape and just get out. Because deep down, our desire to escape is just so intrinsic to us, and it actually says something about the way that you and me see God. See, it's just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God, this tree man looks awesome. God is withholding something from me if I don't eat from this tree. It looks really good. And the serpent says, well, actually, it's really delicious and eat it. And then your eyes will be opened. It's really good. You should eat it right now. God is the big bad guy who's trying to withhold something good from you. Brothers and sisters, God is not withholding something good from you from our sing- in our singleness. It is a good gift. It is not like you're missing out. There is no need to have FOMO. We need to fight the feeling of FOMO. We need to fight the desire to escape our situation. We need to remember that singleness is our gift, and we are asked to stay in the situation that God has called us. That's what it looks like for singleness being a good thing. Now, if singleness is a good thing, the second thing that Paul says about singleness is that, well, it's not a bad thing, <laughs> which is sort of the same thing, but in a different sort of tone. He says in verse 25 to 28, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. He starts off addressing who? The virgins. That's the people who are single, obviously, in that way, right? That's also me. <laughs> Paul gives a helpful judgment call, which is trustworthy. I think it is good for you to remain as you are. Married, stay married. Unmarried, don't look for a wife or husbands. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And a virgin marries, she hasn't sinned as well. It's like a eh sort of thing, continuation, right? But he does say this. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. See, Paul, people think that Paul's like some crazy dude. It's like, oh man, that guy's so godly. I, I can't ever do anything that he ever does. Oh man, that's hard. That's question marks. Paul was actually probably married at some stage as well. Because before he was converted, he was a Jewish rabbi. And in Jewish rabbiism, is actually quite frowned upon to not be married. So it's most likely, that most scholars think, that Paul is actually married. What that means for us is that, well, Paul is speaking from experience. Was he divorced? Don't know. Did his wife pass away? Is he now a widower? I'm not sure. But it does say that Paul speaks from wisdom and experience here. He's not just throwing out words there for whatever. He says this, singleness is not a bad thing because marriage comes with its own problems. It's got the same vibe of the part we talked about beforehand, which is eh. Things are okay. You're married? Eh. Singleness? Eh. Keep going with that. He elaborates further and says the reasons why. What I mean, brothers, is this. The time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. 
those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed by them. For the world in its present form is passing away. The key thing here that Paul is saying is that time is short. The world in its present form is passing away. Some things are temporary, others moving on. Marriage and relationships pass away. They actually aren't the promised land of milk and honey. (laughs) They don't give everything you need because they don't entirely last. Relationships do not last into heaven. And I'm not saying that relationships and marriage are bad, but once again, the key thing here is that whatever you are, being undistracted in your devotion to Jesus is really helpful. And not being married is really good for that because it helps you not be distracted. Be devoted to Jesus because he lasts it forever. And relationships don't last forever because they're temporary. Singleness is not a bad thing because marriage doesn't really last. Let me illustrate this. When I was back in uni, I was a terrible student. Like, terrible. Like, really, really, really bad. I'm sort of like doing my own thing, like dancing, flipping and stuff at uni because I'm doing whatever I want. And then I realized, I have an exam tomorrow which is a common situation almost every single week for me. And I'm like, oh, I haven't studied for it. I haven't even gone to my lectures. I haven't, I haven't even looked at, the, what course is it again? I can't actually, oh man, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do, right? And I furiously sit down and I'm like, I'm dependent. I have my coffee in my hand and I have like V in the other hand. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's study. Let's do it. And then five minutes later, I'm on Facebook. Oh, and then I realize four hours later that I've done absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I panic and I instantly regret Everything. It's just so bad. If only I had gone to the lectures. If only I hadn't procrastinated. If only I was smarter. If only there weren't so many cute animal videos on Facebook that distracted me so much. Oh my gosh. If only. And it's actually very similar to the way that how we see a lot of things in our lives. If only this. If only that. See, the heart idea behind it is that we always think that the grass is greener on the other side. If only, if only that. However, let me say something honestly to you and to me. The grass is not greener on the other side. Do you know when the grass actually is greener? The grass is greener when you look down at the grass in front of you and you actually spend time watering it. It's pretty good, you know, you try some time. The grass is actually greener right here. There's grass there, so actually invest in it. Don't go over there and be like, oh, there's, there's nice grass over there. Stay here, there's actually grass here. And what I'm saying by this is that when you're single, use your singleness well, water the grass, you'll help it. Friends, marriage and relationships are not the promised land of milk and honey. We need to see our singleness differently. It's not something to escape from, but something to be content with. We need to remember that our relationships do not give what we really, really, really need. Only God gives that, and only God provides what we need, not relationships. We need to spend time investing in our singleness and using that well. From now on, those who had wives should live as if they had none, for the world in its present form is passing away. Singleness, friends, is not a bad thing. We need to learn to be content with what God gives in singleness. It is a gift. God isn't trying to withhold something from us. Marriage is temporary, so live for him because he lasts forever. So we've talked about the idea that singleness is a good thing, and singleness is not at least a bad thing. It's actually, yeah. So don't escape your, don't escape singleness. Be content with singleness. And finally, 
singleness is for the best thing. Underlying all of which I've already said so much, and I hope that you've seen, like the, the hashtag goal of the sermon, is that I hope that you guys have seen that relationships is not the goal, but instead the goal is to be an undivided devotion to the Lord. That's the goal, undivided devotion to the Lord. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. I'm saying it over and over again because I hope it gets there because I know I forget things a lot. So if I say it more times, people just moving on. And the section just above it from verse 32 says this, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, namely how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirits. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world. How can she please her husbands? See, the married are concerned about the affairs of the world. They're concerned about how to love their spouse, how to maintain their relationship, how to fulfill each other's needs, and for the guys, how to work out what she's trying to think and what she's trying to say when he actually doesn't say anything. A great mystery. Moving on. And these are all great things to work out, but the blessing and gift of singleness allows you to be undistractedly focused, solely fixated upon in absolute and undividedly devotion to the Lord. And also you don't have to think about what she's thinking because she's not there, because she's not real. I'm only a little insecure, guys. Relax, chillax, guys. See, guys, so you guys know about me. I work with an organization called RICE. We do large-scale evangelistic events, and I love that. It's awesome. It's fun. A few months ago, I moved to Melbourne, uh, and it was really cool to start Rice Rally here for the first time in a different place. I'd never seen it before. We saw over 30 churches come together uh, to partner to share the gospel. We saw over 70 volunteers, some in high school, some in university, some older, coming together. We saw a whole stack of youth, as you saw in the video, give their lives to Jesus. That's really exciting. However, for me... The great gift of singleness meant that I could move down easily. If I had a relationship, I would have to consider the other person, which is not a bad thing, but I have to consider that. It's not just one person anymore, it's two people involved. How do I best please her and help her and love her and care for her? And I definitely don't think I would have come to Melbourne so easily. I have to consider her very carefully because I'm in a relationship with her. The great gift of singleness allowed me to solely be fixated upon doing all I and we possibly can to serve him and serve his people. It's an undistracted devotion that you can give to him. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Hopefully by the end of this sermon, you'll remember that verse. Friends, we must see that singleness is something that frees us from distraction. It actually helps us to be an undivided devotion to the Lord. It is not to restrict us. It's not trying to like clamp you down, but it's actually there to free you. It's actually trying to free you up there. Our discontentment, our desire to escape, our frustration with singleness, they all say something about the way that we see God. It says that we do not think that he has given us what we need, It says that we do not think that God is in control. It says that we do not think that he is using our situation for our good. It says that we do not think that he is king, but that we are kings. That we know what's best. That we can control our situation. That we can do a better job than him as king. Friends, God gives us exactly what we need. 
We are not good kings. We don't know what we need. We should remain in the situation that God has called us to because he provides everything that we need there in himself. Singleness is a good thing. You don't have to escape it. The grass is not greener on the other side. It is greener when you water the grass of what you're in right now. If you're single, use it. It's not a bad thing. Be content with what he gives you. We need to remember that he knows our insecurities. He knows our desires. He knows those longings of your heart, and he will give you what you need in himself. We need to remember that the time is short. Wives, live as if you had none. So for those who are married today and have couples or whatever, wives, live as if you had none. Husbands, live as you had none. Do that. Mourn, live as if you were not. Happy, live as if you were not. Buying something, live as if it was not yours to keep. For, what's the reason? The world in its present form is passing away. Those things don't last. Relationships, marriage, happiness, mourning, those things don't last. Invest in that which is eternal, which is him. Now, I know sometimes when I'm sitting in church, I know for me definitely, we can sit down in sermons and sermons often like just go, woo, goodbye. It just goes over our heads, right? We totally forget about it. Someone will ask you next week, oh, how did you find the sermon last week? And we're like, oh, man, good question. Or we just forget, right? Like, oh, we ask on like Wednesday and I'm like, oh, it's only been three days. I should remember this. It's, we often forget things quite fast. I know I do. I get it. You probably forget me and my face because I'm quite forgettable pretty easily. I get that. Often I forget things really fast. I forget to listen to God well, and I forget to actually apply things into my life. So I want to spend a bit of time just asking a few questions that might actually help you to reflect and actually start thinking about how to apply this. So hopefully if it changes your life, you actually might remember some things afterwards as well. You remember at least one thing from next week. Oh, cool. Undivided devotion to the Lord. Moving on. <laughs> Hope for that. I'll ask you later. Um, so for those of us who are single... Let me ask you some questions. What are you and what are we discontent with? Why do we want to escape from singleness? And how can we use our singleness to actually serve him and serve his people in undivided, uh, undivided devotion? What are we discontent with? Why do we want to escape and how can we actually live right now with our singleness and our free time and ministry and all sorts of jazz to actually love him and serve him in undivided devotion? Think about that. Uh, for those of us who are in a relationship, uh, think about how can we continue to live as if we were not dating or not married with you and your spouse? Because Paul says the goal is not the relationship. The goal is actually to love God and serve him forever. How can you keep doing that? And what ways have you looked for good things in your relationships that should actually only be found in God? How can you also be serving him with your partner in undivided devotion? So I thought we'd just spend like 30 seconds just thinking about those questions. Just reflect on them yourself. Discontentments, why do you want to escape? How do you serve God? If you're dating, how um, can you continue to live as if you're not dating or married? How can you actually uh, look to serve him only? Uh, And what are the things that you've looked for in your relationship that actually should only be found in God? Spend 30 seconds just doing that and thinking about that and reflecting on that.
uh, brothers and sisters, let's remember that our God is not withholding something good from us. Singleness is a good thing, a blessing, a gift from him. So don't seek to escape it. Singleness is not a bad thing. Marriage itself has its own problems and difficulties. So be content with your singleness. Singleness is for the best thing. It's for the purpose of living in undivided devotion to the Lord. So give everything, your time, your energy, all that you possibly can right now, to love him and to live for him. And know that while you wait, if you do hope for a relationship, that God knows your needs and he will provide as seems fits. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live a right, in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. How about I pray? Our Father God, uh, we thank you that you know us. You know all the desires of our hearts, the things that we long for, the things that we want, the things that we crave for, God. Father, we pray that you might minister to us, God, that we might look to you and we find all that we need, all our satisfactions, all our joys, all our desires will be found in you, God. For those of us who are discontent, God, help us to see how Christ fulfills all and gives us contentment. For those of us who are trying to escape singleness, God, help us to remember, God, you've given us this as a blessing and a gift. Father, for those of us who are still married or not married, help us, God, to actually give all ourselves to living in an undivided devotion to you, God. Father, we pray uh, that you might do work in our hearts, God. Father, we pray that you might change our lives. Would our lives look differently from what we've heard today, God? That we might be a people who radically live in undivided devotion towards you. And Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.